Hello everyone, this is the Audience Explorer, a podcast for you as a founder or creator who wants to develop an audience for your product or service. I'm Matthias Bohlen. Hi and welcome everybody to the Audience Explorer, the new episode with my first guest, Tom Liebelt. He's living in Bangkok. I'm very happy to have you here, Tom. Yeah, thanks for having me. I didn't know this is the first episode. Congrats. Now it's not the first episode, but the first episode with a guest. I'm quite with excited to have a guest. Yeah. Oh, wow. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, good job. It's an interesting journey with the podcasting. Yeah, absolutely. I really like it. So first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself. What's your backstory? What do you typically do? I mean, I've been in business for a long time, okay. probably over 25 years. I've done everything from inside sales, outside sales, retail. I own the record store. I own the coffee shop. I filmed the documentary, did music, online stores. I had a Kindle book business, publishing business, SEO business, like a lot of different things. But I've always been more interested on in the marketing aspect than anything else. So mm -hmm. right now we are strictly a marketing agency for online course creators. So if you have an online course, we help you market the online course. Like that's kind of what ah, we okay. down into. Yeah. And it's what we've been doing full time for three years now. Pretty cool. Online courses. Yeah. I've, uh, a few ones myself. It's difficult to market them. Right. Problem. That's the number one thing that an educator sees, right? Because the first step is, you know, putting the online course out, which is not that difficult because the no, software is no. really easy now. But then the next thing you figure out is like, how do I sell this thing? <laughs> That's all yeah. that comes in. Yeah. <laughs> how, how does it look like when, when a client comes to you and says, uh, I need help with marketing with my uh, online course? How does that work? So typically they'll you know, come to our landing page and then they have to fill out a survey, mm -hmm. which kind of tells me about their problem and then book a call. I will you know, quickly look over the survey and if I think it's not a good fit, because we've done everything we can on the sales space to kick everybody away that's not the right customer. So if mm -hmm. somehow they sneak mm -hmm. through, I make sure they're not. But if they are, then we get on a call. And I mostly try to find out about what they're trying to do. Because most people don't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like I've been on a call today and I, you know, I looked over their lead magnet. I looked over their sales page, everything. And I'm like, I've seen all of your info, but no one looking at this can figure out what the problem is is that you're trying to solve. You haven't addressed the problem. You haven't given a solution. You haven't told us why we should even care. And then you haven't told us why we should hire you to teach us to solve this problem, which we don't know what it is, right? Interesting. And, and, so that are yeah. pretty basic mistakes, right? Well, you would think, but it's actually the most common mistake for anyone that comes to me saying my course is not selling. The second type of customer might do those things right and they get lucky on one channel. So for mm -hmm. example, they will mm -hmm. put out the course, you know, the, the, everything's working on it. They'll start putting out YouTube videos, getting traffic. They start making five, six figures, usually low six figures, high five figures. And they call me saying like, well, this is all working. I've been putting out videos and, and I've been making money. But now if I put out 10 more videos, nothing changes. And I try it again and nothing changes. Like I plateau, oh, like okay. I've exhausted this channel. Mm. If I start asking them questions, we quickly figure out they don't know what happened. They got lucky. They don't know why it's working. And if they try to transfer it to a different channel, 
because the luck factor is not there anymore. They're like, nothing works. You know, like I've tried paid or I tried going on Facebook, but the only thing that's working is YouTube and I can't make more money. So I will help them figure out what the sales process is based mm -hmm. on what they've mm -hmm. done. And then we transfer that to the other channels and then we scale again. And then at some point they come hit different walls because different revenue points, you hit different walls and you have to new, uh, do new things to get over them. But that's the second type of an audience usually. And the third one is just doing really well, but they just need something where I can go over their process and make it even better. Often by seeing inefficiencies and problems in the system, I can fix a few things and the revenue goes up 10, 20%. So, but that's someone that's already doing well and has the whole process down. So three different type of clients usually. Interesting. You are pretty clear about your different types of, of audiences. Let me go back for a moment. How did all this start? When did you have the, the idea? You said you're doing it for three years now? Full time. So ah, full around, time. around seven, eight years ago, when I was running my SEO company, one of the clients was a gym in Atlanta. Uh -huh. And the person that I was in contact with was a Muay Thai champion, which is a Thai kickboxing oh, uh, okay. martial art, right? And, you know, we became friends. They did a really good job for the gym. And one day he just asked me, what if I took my training, which I do here, because he was still teaching some classes and trying to get away from it hmm. and put it online. And eight years ago, you know, online education was not that known. Like you had a yeah, couple of you know, so popular. Yeah, it wasn't very popular. So I said, I have no idea. Well, let's try. So back then with the software being so basic, you know, <laughs> it was very difficult yeah. to, to get the first step going. It took about a year and a half to, to kind of figure out how we're going to do that. And because we were both busy. And then when that happened, he says, now we need to sell this thing. And I was like, yes, go sell it. And he's like, no, I, I was looking at you to sell it. <laughs> and, Seriously? And I was like, I haven't ever sold an online course. I'm an SEO. He's like, ah, oh, just try. So, you know, we made an agreement and then I started trying. It was actually the hardest niche possible because it's something that people do physically in the gym with trainers yeah. and yeah. partners. And now you need to sell this idea that I'm going to teach it to you online and you actually should pay for it. So it was very difficult. You know, it's much easier to teach someone about business or drawing or anything else that they can like visually, you know, then like, how do I teach you how not to get hit? <laughs> over the yeah, internet right. right or yeah. how to move correctly how to, how to do move, all those yeah. moves and so on yeah it was very difficult i think it took us another two years to really figure out how to sell it and after that he gave me some more referrals and it was very downhill like i did the hardest one first mm -hmm. and you know that most was good stuff, yeah and most of the stuff that comes to me now it's just like a layup it's like i just see the ball and throw it in the hoop it's like yeah okay um <laughs> But it, it took many years, you know, it took me four years of doing it part-time until I felt confident enough to just drop everything else and say, let's go all into it. And it, it was probably the best thing I've done because now I have just one audience to look after, one offering. I know exactly who my customers are. We've been booked ever since. We simplified our offering so we can make more money for less time and give better results, right? So That's all this happens when you actually... Point, yeah. Yeah, when you actually narrow down and simplify, uh, things become so much easier than if you're running like a full-fledged service 
company mm -hmm. if you specialize if you niche in for example in online courses uh, it's much easier to know your audience i can think so yeah but even with that we are very specific about our clients like i said if someone doesn't come into those three buckets that i mentioned uh -huh. i just tell them to leave because i'm not the right person like i'm not going to create a custom offering for you because i'm way past that now like if you don't fall into my process and what i like to do then no thank you Let's get back to the audience types. You mentioned three types, some kind of uh, starting audience, some plateau audience yeah. and some scaling or scale up or something like right. that, right? Yeah. How come that you recognize these uh, three types of audiences? What made you recognize that? Through four years of taking on anybody. Ah, okay. So first yeah. you took anybody. Okay. Yeah, that's what we all do. It's, it's, it's the process, right? But eventually yeah. you need to stop doing that because sometimes making more money is actually the most expensive thing you could do because you're not doing the right things for your business you know yeah. you're sidetracking yeah. it's it gave yeah. you some money but it's actually taking back and taking you many steps backwards and often you will hate what you're doing so you know you, you've got to kind of figure out who it is you want to serve and you know get the best offerings and that's best for them and for you that's why i said i kept on thinking What's the thing that will take the least amount of my time that's mm -hmm. going to give them the best mm -hmm. result? Because then I can charge well for that. Because clients care about results. If someone asks me, and I had a few people still like two years ago doing this, oh, how many hours are you going to work on this? And I'm like, I'm not a Walmart employee. <laughs> yeah, you're not paid by the hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not, we're not talking about my hours. It's completely irrelevant. If it takes me 15 minutes, but it took me seven years to learn, you got to pay for that accordingly, right? Yeah, Someone's yeah. got to pay right. for those seven. So the people who don't understand that concept get kicked out of my funnel immediately. I'm like, we're good. I don't want to work with you. So again, through experience, I found all of those people become problem clients. Right, Because instead mm -hmm. of looking at the results and treating it as a business, they want someone to be, I guess, on call or, or just wasting time with. And I'm like, I'm, I'm not interested in, in chatting with you. I just want to get this done, get you the results, and let's both move on. How come that you get in the first contact with new people in your audience? We have systems for this. So we have a system of going on podcasts. We have a system of targeting people in some Facebook groups. We have a system for finding people with courses and then cold emailing them. Another system of using LinkedIn. Like we have different systems set up for this and my employees uh -huh. do that. The only thing I actually do is either write up stuff for the newsletter to give some insights or just jump onto this podcast. Like I reached out, this was probably one of the only once because I just started playing on Twitter a bit where I actually reached out myself. Normally my VA would reach out to you and then pitch me on your podcast. This was like ah, one okay. of the only times where I'm just like, I mean, if you're asking, I can come in because an audience is what I can talk about. But that's Twitter. Twitter is a weird thing. I kind of like it. Yeah, Twitter is very open. I, I really like it. On Facebook, you have to be more... Um, I, I have no name for that. Facebook feels totally different for me. LinkedIn feels very corporate and enterprise to me. It's, uh, it's uh, totally different. So I like Twitter. The thing that made me like Twitter is before I thought it was horrible. I was like, there's so much nonsense. I hate this. And then I found this setting where you can mute words. Ah, okay. Ah. Right? So mm -hmm. I muted, you know, Trump, Biden, COVID, anything <laughs> that I thought was just, you know, 
not just noise. Yeah. Yeah, just noise, right? And when I did that, my feed just opened up and all I see now is the stuff that I want to see. And if there's something I don't want to see, I look at the words which annoy me and they get muted also. And it just continues and you know, it's easy to clean up. You can't do that in LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You can't do that in Facebook. You can block people, but you can't block crappy ideas or noise. Yeah. 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 So I think that's kind of what Twitter is um, bringing to the table for me at least. And then like stuff like you asking a question will show up. Instead of me seeing some nonsense about politics, there's someone actually relevant asking if, hey, if you can talk about an audience, come on the podcast. And I was like, wow, that came right in front of me. There's no friction because I just messaged you. Like I'm not wasting time on it. You're not wasting time. Twitter can be very, I think, um, productive in some ways. However, I would imagine it's hard to scale. I don't like creating any channels and I will never depend on Twitter where I have to come in and all of the time do things and actions to hope that something happens, right? I like systems mm -hmm. where I can outsource it and my assistant can do these 15 tasks every single day and I get clients constantly or use some paid advertising, a combination of both or maybe some SEO but I shouldn't be actively having to seek people out or make conversations yeah, yeah. to get clients. So it's, you know, I like it, but I only show up when I feel like it. Like Twitter is not my daily, you know, part of my business. So how come that, that my message reached you? Was it simply random luck or were you already following me or following somebody else? Just uh, it, must have been, for me. it must have been just random luck. Like I said, when I cleaned up my, my feed, I follow some people. And when they retweet or like or comment on something, now I'm actually seeing much more relevant stuff that's from others as well. But it's uh -huh. in my niche, like, you know, something with marketing. So Twitter is actually the algorithm, I think, is becoming much, much better. And even sometimes now, if I see like a weird post on Twitter that I'm just like, why is this on here? Often Twitter <laughs> says, is this useful for you? Yes or no? Oh, interesting. Didn't say that to me. Yeah. Yeah. So often I'll just say negative. This is not useful at all. And the feed gets even better, right? Which is a very interesting feature, you know, because ever since I've been blocking and cleaning things up constantly, Twitter just shows me more and more of what I want to see. So it, it takes time for it to become useful, I think. Because like I said, when I first activated it, I thought it was garbage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, just nonsense, spam and noise, but it's really not. That's that's pretty cool. I should look for those mute words and and yeah, maybe cleaning up the feed. Mm. So small adjustments like that have done a lot for me. Mm -hmm. It's a two two edged sword on Twitter, right? First of all, you must be constantly active, so that uh, people hear about you, that you develop your feed further, you you get known, and so on. I, I'm I think it doesn't scale well. I would agree with that. You can't put a virtual assistant on your Twitter feed and let them tweet. I, I tried an experiment with ads last week. It wasn't successful. Mm. I, I would have to work on that. But scaling on, on Twitter is, is difficult, I think. You wouldn't agree with that? What I would just add is that I don't see any reason of spending too much time on a platform that you don't control. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Like... Like any way that we're looking for leads, I need them to either come in and apply for a call or get on my email list. If they're not right. doing that, 
I don't get a satisfaction of seeing seven or eight thousand LinkedIn friends or you know a thousand people yes, in a Facebook right. group or or a thousand followers. I'm like, I don't really control this though. You know, it's it's a nice little bonus, right? It's like when your Bitcoin goes up five thousand before it crashes five thousand. It's it's nice for a little bit, right? You're just like, <laughs> yay, great. But I'm like, it's not mine. So you know, how much effort am I going to put into someone else's? Like, I'm building Twitter. I'm not building my company. Yeah, yeah. It's not about having many followers. It's about having the right followers and, and getting into real good conversations. That That's what I like about Twitter. I can, for example, I can direct message people and get yeah. into a much deeper conversation or I move them off Twitter then. I, I invite them to a Zoom call. Uh, let's get deeper on this. Or I uh, say, please subscribe to my mailing list. Let's move them off Twitter. Twitter is, is kind of uh, getting to know people and developing a relationship to them. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a good like first line of attack. It's like going to a networking event, whatever you feel like. There's always people networking on it and talking and you just kind of join conversations. And if it's interesting, you pull someone off. If it's not interesting, you just move on to the next one. It's, it's a very easy you know, thing to do, I think. That's right. I'm curious what happens when Twitter comes out with with their audio feature. I heard that they are, have a similar offering like like Clubhouse, and with a already existing social graph on Twitter, it would be exciting. I think. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I think it's just more wasting of time for people. You know, like I I went into Clubhouse for I think three minutes and I was done. I was like, this is nonsense, <laughs> complete nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I think you gotta, you know, think where your time goes, and you know, like I, I've like the sales pitch for me was you can hear some of these amazing people talk, and I'm just like, yeah, but that doesn't make me any money. And then you know, after listening to a few <laughs> minutes of them talk, I'm like, they're not really any smarter than me. Just have you know either better opportunity or something, just a different place, maybe you know, like they're ten years ahead. But I was like, hey, these people, I'm not listening to it. So like with a podcast, it's different. You're advertising some kind of a topic. And hopefully the person actually thinks it through. Clubhouse seems more like rambling, you know, like two people in a car. And I'm just like, I, I don't want to hear this. Even if I was in the car, why would the world would I waste my time to go in it now? <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a kind of chit chat, right? So Yeah, I'm, I'm not, I don't have time. I don't like chit chat as it is, you know, like if, if I'm doing something, whether it's work or at the gym, I don't like people coming up to me and be like, hey, you know, what do you think? I was like, not now. Like I'm, this, this is like a different time than, you know, like if I want to chat, I'll go chat with you over a coffee, right? But we uh -huh. schedule that. I'm, I'm not interested in like, especially other people's chit chats. Like, why? <laughs> I, I, I could imagine some use cases. For example, if I'm working deeply on a product, I could open up for, let's say, half an hour and say, people come in, have a coffee with me. I need some relax. I can talk about my product, about your product, what you're doing, what I'm doing. And we'll have a chit chat and then go on, move on with the work. Yeah, but you're leading the conversation. Yes, yes. See, that's a, that's a bit of a different thing, but I just went to check out what that is. And I'm like, yeah, at this moment, I don't have any more time, especially since the stuff I like doing is more evergreen, right? Again, mm -hmm. having chit chats on Clubhouse doesn't scale. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, I want to have something where I put it out and it's out there forever. I've done it once. You know, instead of me, oh, I have to go again, Clubhouse today. No, thank you. Ah, so yeah. you're really very much in, into systems, right? You already mentioned systems. Well, systems will set you free. Mm -hmm. 
you know, having goals and having a to-do list and hustling. Yeah, maybe when you're 20, that's all fine. But, you know, the older <laughs> you get, the more it's like, I don't want to be doing all this stuff. Like, why am I even working at all? Like, the whole point is like, how do I build this so that it's just an asset that works by itself? And then I just do whatever I want to, you know, which, you know, at the moment is marketing and probably will be in some aspect because I like it. But anything I don't like, I'm trying to think how to get rid of it not how to do more of it, you know? Right, right. You know, having chit-chats on Clubhouse, it doesn't seem like it's going to be a fulfilling experience for me. No, no, I don't think so. What, what are typical examples of your systems? You, you already mentioned that you have systems so that people uh, get in contact with you. What else do you have? We have systems around pretty much everything. The, the main ones I w always want to start with, and I tell people to start with, there is to get your leads, to move them into the right buckets and then to keep them engaged. Because when you have leads and money coming in, it solves almost every other problem. Mm -hmm. You need mm -hmm. more customer service people, just throw some money at that problem. You need to buy this type of software, you automate it, you throw money at it. The main part of a business is just making the money. If you're not making money, you're not in business. You got a crappy hobby. That's probably giving you anxiety. So I create systems, the most systems around all my marketing stuff. And, and, you know, then you have fulfilling stuff to clients. But again, if you can step away from that and, and simplify it as much as possible, then less headache as well. But you need systems on getting money in and then getting the product or offering out to clients. That's the only things that really matter. Uh -huh. But how about product design? designing the right offering for your audience that's that's what i'm very much into i created for example this tool get the audience where i mean the word get not in terms of how to get more people into my audience but how to get them how to understand them so that i can build the right type of product type right type of offering for them yeah so the understanding part is very much central to get the audience How do you uh, think about this one when the product is not yet clear, when the audience type is not yet clear about that stage of things? Well, you're either really good at customer research and you know your company and, and who you're going after, or you need to talk to these people, right? Yeah, right. And by talking to the people, I don't mean asking them questions and like, hey, if I build this, will you buy it? None of that matters. None of it. Free advice is worthless. The yeah. only type of validation that I'm looking for when I talk with a client is like, okay, I'm assuming this is the problem. So I try to present the problem, right? Uh -huh. I'm trying to make them feel a little more of the pain and what happens if you don't solve the problem and giving some insights on how to solve it from my perspective, but don't tell them the how, right? And after right. any call like that, people expect you to pitch them something. If you don't, it's just an awkward conversation at the end. It's like, oh, uh, okay, bye, right? So <laughs> you have some kind of an offering, and then you ask them to buy it. If they send you money, it means you're validating your offer. If you can do it over and over, it's validated. If it's not, maybe you just got to return the money, say like, look, I tried, it didn't really pan out, sorry. And, and this is the first step, right? But what I would quickly do if I get a couple validations in, then I change this call me button because if it's a simpler offering, hopefully, move everything I learned onto the sales page and just put the buy button now and see if people will buy it without me even talking to them. I'm trying to get myself out of the equation. If it's still selling, it's nailed. 
Mm-hmm. If it's not, so, maybe you gotta get them on a call again or you know, see see what happens, yeah. So, so in the beginning, you've got a call me button on the landing page, for example, where you yeah. describe some problem and you put a call me button below it. Yeah, I mean, that's from my perspective. If you're selling something different, maybe it's a demo. It's a free demo where yeah. you show them, yeah. like you go over the same type of thing, problems, how we solve them. And then you need to pitch at the end because if you don't pitch again, very awkward conversation because everyone's like, well, you yeah. just told me yeah. all this great stuff. So how are you going to help me? You know, and that's it. So you need some kind of an offer and that's how you test, how you validate. Uh-huh. You know, anytime I've seen people doing it differently and I just had a friend who did not listen to me try to do this, he sent people questionnaires and surveys on what they would want built and how much they would pay for it and all this great stuff. And then uh, he built yeah. it and nothing happened. No one bought yeah. it. Yeah. So then again, he didn't listen to me, but he actually, I told him, get on the calls with these people. And again, instead of giving them an offer, he's asking them, what would you like? And all of these things. And, you know, everyone's like, I don't know, like we kind of handle stuff in the house or if we need someone, we'll hire them. I don't actually know what problems I have. And again, pointless, right? Yeah, yeah. So hopefully now, you know, now I told him like, okay, you, you need to give them an offer and make it very simple. Stop letting it go on. It depends give them like a solution for their business. And if they buy it, then you're closer to validating. That's right. Do you still lead such conversations when you create a new offer or do you keep your offer constant for months? It, It depends, right? Often as you have clients coming in, they start asking for adjustments and you slowly adjust your offer. If you want ah, to do okay. that, right? You don't let clients run your business, but if it makes sense for the both of you, you will adjust it a little bit, right? Like if you're mm-hmm, offering, mm-hmm. let's say content, you're providing content, right? And maybe the clients are happy with the content, but they would like a little more SEO visibility, right? So you can mm-hmm. offer content with SEO visibility. If it's not too hard for your team to create, you can just offer that with it. If not, maybe you can make an upsell or you can give people, you have content already and we'll just help you with the SEO visibility. We'll change it so that it's SEO proof and we'll fix your headline, right? So it depends on the feedback. Like if you're seeing the feedback, you can leave that offer and maybe do an enhancement or then take people that already have something and just use that enhancement on them. It's all about talking with the users constantly. Yeah, yeah. So you're taking this knowledge from the conversations with your existing uh, customers or with new customers, for example, when they ask for your service? Mm, Usually it's with the ones paying. Okay. Already, already. Mm -hmm. If someone hasn't paid me yet, they don't really have a voice. Yeah. Because, you know, like, yeah, I would like a unicorn too, you know, I mean. (laughs) But I'll, I'll give you another example, right? We're in course marketing and sometimes, and you know, what happens, client will be like, can you help us with getting verified on Instagram? Or can you help us with figuring out how the survey page needs to be laid out? I'm like, that's not a part of course marketing. I don't want to go in that business. I don't want to go in businesses of fixing survey pages. That's not what we do. So Mm -hmm. I tell them no, and let's focus on what I do, which is course marketing. So that lets us have a painless experience then someone else who will be like, oh, I will help them with anything. And now instead of fulfilling stuff to your best clients, you're learning about all this extra nonsense 
which you're not interested in. And yeah, you get like $80, but you just wasted four hours learning it. You're losing money, right? Yeah, so that's right. So this is why I say don't ever let clients run your business. And if they give you feedback, only if it makes sense to you as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? So sometimes, you know, you'll see something like with our course marketing, we found that normally if you have a lead magnet, right? You get someone through the lead magnet, you give them a warm up sequence, and then you have them buy, and that's done, right? By seeing the most popular platforms like Thinkific and Teachable, we realize that their checkout process is complete garbage, right? So, <laughs> in what way is it garbage? What they force the students to do is if I'm trying to buy your course, I have to enroll in the school. And then I have to buy the course. Oh, I see. Yeah, I did that myself. I enrolled right. into one or two courses and I had this yeah. effect, right? Yeah. So most people enroll in the school. They never buy the course. They're confused why it didn't show up. And everyone's stuck, right? So the thing we implemented in our business, because it was a feedback that really makes sense, is like, okay, are you with Thinkific or Teachable? What we're going to do is we're going to make sure that all those people who enroll and have not bought, we're going to set up automations in ConvertKit, and we're going to make sure that there's a little sequence getting them back on track. Like, yeah, we understand you signed up, but you actually didn't purchase the thing. So it was a solution to a problem that we're willing to address because we've seen it, you know, like, oh, this is annoying. <laughs> it's right. a repeatable problem, right? Uh, it's, it's, yeah, which should be solved by the platforms, but it's not. And it wasn't really feedback from customers, but it was us looking at this problem and being like, this doesn't make any sense. We just had 500 signups for this guy, but there's only 400 people that bought. What's happening here, right? And then we've seen that, okay, this is a software issue. So how do we solve this? And then we came up with a solution. So that's how I, I would adjust the situation once I see that a problem occurs and it makes sense for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what learning and feedback can do. You can identify new problems in, in your audience and you can take care of that. So another thing that happens is often when we have clients, you know, we'll help them with the marketing and all this stuff. And they'll ask like, can you do this over and over? You know, 50 different people will ask us and they're like, we don't do that. But after you have 50 people asking for it, then you start thinking, well, you know what? Let me throw up a sales page because we could do it. It doesn't take much time, but we just, we're not going to offer with, you know, for nothing mm -hmm. and see if they buy it. But people ask us to create this. You know, people ask like, can you help us with this problem over and over and over? And we're like, well, we could, but it's going to be a different service. You know, it might be like a recurring monthly thing because you're looking for this and that. But, you know, that's something that happens from clients too. And often initially I'm like, I'm saying like, well, no, not now. We're not doing that now, but I, you know, I'll, I'll put them into a file and then, you know, if there's enough people asking for it, you know, like 40, 50, I'm like, hmm, why not? Let's put up a sales page and see if we can pre-sell it. And if enough people buy, then we'll figure out the system to deliver this. Uh, okay. You are systematizing again when there's enough demand and when you there's see enough it, it will work, right? Then you put it into a system. Okay. Yeah, because, you know, I'm, I'm not assuming I'm just responding to the market. Right. You know, and sometimes when you have an audience, and this is why a newsletter is a good thing, you can kind of bait people, right? 
you can start presenting different problems and then you know seeing how they respond to the emails. Mm-hmm. Right. Also, Showing them kind of validation and yeah, early validation. Kind of, yeah, just to you know, just to see if they're like, hey, you know, I would like this solved. And I'm like, well, that's nice. We're not doing that now, but you know, I'll, I'll keep it in mind. But if enough mm-hmm. people do it, then it's like, well, let's put up a sales page, see what happens. But again, you always have to think, is this the type of business I want to get into also? You know, just because people want it doesn't mean I want to do it. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's, it's a big thing too, which business do I want to be in? But if it makes sense and you're like, this is actually a good business, I could systemize it, completely outsource it. I could put it on its own domain. I, I could sell it in five years. People want it. I can get a pretty decent margin. Why not? Why yeah. not? Yeah. So that's kind of how we work. Interesting. If you imagine, if you go on for, let's say, one year, two years, five years, what should happen? What What are your goals for the next upcoming years? Well, it, it really you know depends. The way we structure our business is we have the parent company, which is Smart Brand Marketing. That's the parent company. Uh-huh. And then we have all the services and things underneath it, right? So the service businesses, which are like me actually working on stuff, they're around to kind of keep my skills sharp and to fund a lot of the other things and give feedback so we can come up with ideas. Okay. Then some of the other productized stuff we will test and we will either continue with it or we will sell that business if it's making enough money. Mm, Okay. But at the same time, we're still trying to build an audience because if you have a big enough audience, it's much easier to come up with anything. If you want to create a software, you better have a pretty big audience that is ready to buy or it's going to right. be a very long road, right? So with us right now is we've really simplified our offering on the service side. So it's just throwing out money and it's delivering results. But I can I still have time for other things. Mm-hmm. The productized service stuff, we're testing different things. The main goal right now, even though we don't need it, is building a big audience of relevant people. So then when we start um, offering other things, it's going to scale much, much, much faster. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, a, it's a numbers size, game, right? Yeah, it's yeah. a numbers game. With our boutique service, it's not really a numbers game because we only take a couple clients. They pay a lot and that's it. We're booked. We're done. Uh, but with other things, which we're testing, that's a numbers game and that's where we want to build that audience for. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a long game. You know, the parent company is not going to change. That's That will keep cranking out, you know, content and audiences. But services and products, who knows in five years? Who knows? Five years is so far away these days. <laughs> so far. Wow, this has been a blast. Really, I learned a lot. I, I like to, to get in contact with uh, people to learn totally different views. Your view has been amazing. Thank you very much for today, for being here. Yeah, yeah, it was great. It was great. Like, you, you know, every time I speak with someone, like, I kind of get more clarity because I got to think these things through. Right. Right. You asked me a question. So I I really get a lot out of them, too. Cool. So I wish you very much success with Smart Brand Marketing. And maybe we see each other again on Twitter. Well, for sure on Twitter. So, (laughs) yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Audience Explorer podcast today. You can find me on Twitter at GetTheAudience. And you can check out the blog at gettheaudience.com. If you have any questions about this episode, 
reach out to me on Twitter or send an email to matthias at gettheaudience.com. If you want to support this podcast, please leave a rating in your favorite podcast player app. This will help other founders or creators to find this podcast about developing an audience for their product or service. Thank you very much for listening and see you in the next episode. Bye-bye.